Welcome to the Open Source Way. This is SAP's podcast series in which we'll talk about the difference that open source can make. In each episode, we'll talk to a different expert and we'll talk to them about why they do it the open source way. I'm your host, Carsten Hoage, and in this episode, I'm going to talk to Fabian Haag from the SAP Open Source Office in Germany about SAP's outbound process for open source and how it was implemented. Fabienne holds as well a bachelor in business law as a master of science. She works in global licensing at SAP and is responsible for compliance and open source license requirements within SAP products. In addition, she's responsible for the open source outbound process and involved in the development of open source training as well. And with that said, hello, Fabienne, and welcome to the open source way. Good to have you here. Hello, Carsten. Yeah, thanks for having me. Okay, Fabienne, you hold a Master of Business, a Bachelor of Law. Why are you in this podcast? <laughs> that is a very good question for a start. <laughs> so actually, I work in global licensing and we are responsible for the compliance. Um, uh, so when we use third party um, in SAP products, we have to adhere to certain um, yeah, obligations, license um, terms and uh, have to make sure we are compliant with this and that's um, uh, yeah the the biggest part of my job. So uh, my background actually brings that nicely together to understand it from a business perspective, but also um, the legal, legal background, um, uh, yeah, which is a great combination to work in a compliance topic. Okay, I get it. So we did invite you for a reason here. Uh, how long have you been doing this? Um, within global licensing, I have been working for about two and a half years. And SAP in general? Um, it will be five years next year. Okay, but then again, I happen to know what your user number is, and that would suggest you've been with the company a little longer than five years, actually. Yes, um, uh, when you get your user and you leave the company, you keep it so people can always see <laughs> that you have been there before. So yeah, that's true. My, uh, it's, I have quite an old um, user ID because after school, I have been working uh, for SAP for two years. I did a vocational training, um, but after that training, I left um, uh, to go and study and um, in the end I came back to SAP again. Okay and mainly for the reason that you wanted to work somewhere again where there is free coffee right? <laughs> yes that's that was one of the main reasons. No for me it was more the lunch the free lunch. Um. <laughs> okay. I was actually asking that because I think you rem I remember you told me you don't even drink coffee is that right? Yes, That's that right. is right. And um, uh, I have, yes, all SAP colleagues that I meet um, and they hear that they uh, cannot understand how I make my day and how can I go, um, uh, yeah, start work without having a cup of coffee. But I just don't like it. And because in the end, actually, it's all of them who are only at SAP because there is free coffee. And you're the <laughs> only one who really wants to do the job, right? Yes, I'm <laughs> only there to do a great job for SAP. Yes, and not about free coffee. Okay, then let's... Talk about your job, finally. Um, outbound process. Uh, can you just, I think we all have an idea what we mean by that, but can you define that for us again? What do we mean when we say that? So um, it actually means that SAP is developing something and um, gives it 
to the public under an open source license. So um, that means that the source code of what we have developed is available to anyone. And as long as those um, users of this follow the license obligation, they can just uh, use it, copy it, modify it, and yeah, pretty much do a lot with it um, free of charge. And um, to make sure that whatever we contribute or what we uh, um, put out there to the public and um, we do that in a compliant manner and we can mitigate risks um, that might be associated to a, such a publication um, we needed an um, outbound process okay so from a legal perspective sort of like the source code is the object we're putting out there but what we're really putting out there is our intellectual property right mm -hmm. yes exactly. and what 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 kind of IP, what kind of intellectual property mm -hmm. is that usually? So there's um, actually, we can distinguish between um, uh, different types of contributions. So on the one hand side, we can um, do contributions to existing open source projects. So um, there's a third party, a company, a private person, whoever, who hosts um, an open source project. And um, SAP contributes to it. So we give something to them um, uh, um, as part of that existing open source project. And in this case, SAP is only responsible for this um, little piece that we um, contribute. And on the other hand side, we have um, SAP initiated open source projects. So that means um, that we as SAP start a new open source project and that um, is hosted by SAP. We bear the full responsibility for such projects and um, those projects can mostly be found be found under the sap um, github organization mm -hmm. um, what i was getting at even a little more than the type of projects but that was my bad i didn't define well um, is what kind of ip in the ways of how do we decide what kind of intellectual property is even fit to be open sourced where don't we like lose anything or run mm -hmm. any danger of whatever what do we benefit from open sourcing our intellectual property okay so um uh, first of all there there's there is usually a business reason so when we talk to uh, about contributions to um, existing open source projects then um, sap um, might be interested in extending the functionality or the features to um, uh, to to also uh, make it fit to something we need or that we found a bug and we uh, want to fix it and um, also um, there there can be other benefits like um, you can promote an industry standard or you you can influence the direction open source project uh, goes and since sap also uses um, open source there um, are often reasons then to also give something back and um, uh, yeah also put then their own ip as an open source and so basically one of the parts of the process is to even decide what is fit to be open sourced yes exactly so you you the, the development teams they um, do something and then they think about okay um what can what does make sense um uh, does it make sense to open source this what can be a, a reason and as i mentioned it can be for for various reasons also yeah, um, is it about industry standards or a broader adoption um, uh, in the industry um, to ensure there's a roadmap for this open source um, in the future or, or many things. And then they kind of know if Fabienne doesn't approve this, then we can't open source it. 
<laughs> yes, pretty much. But um, that's that they have a business reason is just the first step. So um, they need to um, uh, explain to us why they want to do it. And then we check um, if it's possible, it's like from a um, compliance um, standpoint. So um, in our process, we look at things like export control, data protection, um, uh, license obligation, uh, and these kind of things. So um, uh, first step is there must be a good reason why we open source our IP. And um, the second step is then to, to check if it's possible from a compliance uh, standpoint. Okay, so you, you're checking all that even before you decide if something can go outbound open source. And then once it is decided, what happens next in the process? Mm, uh, maybe let's let's phrase it differently. So <laughs> we, have <Okay>. a pro- <laughs> we have a process and um, there are some uh, mandatory steps in that process. And step number one is that they have to fill out um, a request form. Um, mm-hmm. So they give us lots of information about uh, what they want to open source and also answer questions in regards to, um, uh, to risks. So we can do a risk assessment. And in that risk assessment, there are uh, things like what I mentioned, um, data protection, export control, and these types of things. And that's step number one. And once they fill that out, we usually talk about it and find out. And um, uh, there we can pretty much from those answers already see, um, okay, there's more we have to dig into and find out details to make sure we are compliant or um, we can see, okay, um, it's quite low risk um, for for this request and we can go ahead with the next steps. And then there are further process steps and we only trigger them when when there's, let's say, the go from this first step of this request Mm -hmm. form where we really can assess what are the risks. Okay. And are you like the, 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 the one and only owner of this process or is this one of these virtual constructs where... Mm-hmm. So um, uh, I don't know in the, the other co- podcasts, I think you already talked about Open Source Program Office. So um, at SAP, we have an Open Source Program Office and um, uh, there's a core team um, uh, of people who work um, only for this uh, um, team. And then we have many virtual team members of different teams. And I'm, for example, working for global licensing in my core role, but I am part um, of the open source program office, like a virtual team member. And um, in that uh, outbound process, I am a part of, because global licensing also plays a big role in this um, process. And we have a few members of the open source um, program core team that are also um, working on this um, process and um, process request and who who are then contributing some more of the like say technical aspects or something yes also exactly so we work together on like defining the process improving it and um, the guidelines whatever and um, uh, I'm more consulted than for for the legal and compliance topics and they more um, work on the tooling uh, side and technical things yeah mm-hmm. and is is that process in this setup is that already a pretty well-defined process you would say or is the process still in process (laughs) (laughs) we are always working uh, in further improving it but i would say it's uh, now it is really um, set up quite well so we have been working on it for more than two years now and um, lots of things happened in that time so and what we are 
really uh, yeah let's say proud of is that we um automated it as far as possible so um we came two and a half years back. We came with uh, using like five tools, starting from uh, filling out a ticket, um, uh, sending word documents around and emails and um, uh, tracking stuff via Excel. And no one had any transparency or um, knew exactly what's going on. And now we have everything in one tool and we are using Enterprise GitHub um, to um yeah, process a complete request from um, beginning to the end, which is really um, yeah a great achievement and um, helped us a lot to shorten the process, to make it more transparent, to have statistics, to um, involve all the colleagues that have to be involved. And um, so, yes, I would say now the process is set up um, quite nicely. <laughs> Okay, sounds cool. But one person, more or less personal question now, um, because I remember my first contact with GitHub, and you come from a law and business <laughs> background. How did how did you like GitHub at first sight? Did you want did you want to use that? <laughs> so um, um, I'm someone um, who who has some experience uh, in in uh, user experience, and um, so I knew. Um, uh, GitHub is what our developers, so our target audience loves to use and wants to use. So um, that was uh, my yeah, biggest motivation to also um, get into this tool because um, we, we um, picked this tool uh, because uh, it was the best for our end users. For me, um, yes, I had to get used to it. So I had never heard of GitHub before, but if you asked me three years back, I had not heard about open source before. So <laughs> um, yeah, I had to get into it, but I must say, um, for what I'm, as far as I'm dealing with it, with like tracking issues and um, uh, setting up repos, and that's that's um, okay. I can I can handle that <laughs> in the meantime. Okay, yeah, that's just like kind of the same for me. Only if something goes wrong and GitHub <laughs> says I can't sync this because this and that <laughs> happened, then I uh, I call Sebastian. Like, yes, that, that's yeah, always from, a good contact. You know, Sebastian from. Uh, Episode two. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Um, how many projects run through that in, say, a year? So we have been using GitHub or the Enterprise GitHub now for about one and a half years. And in that one and a half years, we have completed um, around 110 requests. And currently about 30 requests are in our pipeline. Wow, that's all for outbounding yes. SAP mm -hmm. technology. Yeah. Yes, and here with those numbers that I just gave you, that's really open source projects that you will in the end find on the SAP um, GitHub. In addition to that, we also have an, a GitHub organization for SAP samples. Those um, are also published under Apache, but um, they are not, they, they're the process a little bit different. And so, um, yes, there comes another, um, I guess I would say around 70 to 80 um, samples um, per year on top of that. 
Okay, maybe we should kind of recap quickly that SAP is currently what the eighth largest uh, contribute contributor uh, to open source GitHub repositories in the world, which uh, many people do not know. So uh, let's maybe put that number back on the table. Um, now, when you're through with the process uh, that we were just talking about, then you are totally free to run your own project, contribute to others, or do you are you still under some kind of control afterwards? Um, yes, we have um, uh, also guidelines. So during our process, we provide a requester with guidelines, and in there. Um, uh, we, we state what they have to do in certain cases. So we check initially before we publish that we are compliant. But of course, um, over time, if the project um, is, is yeah, further developed, things can change and uh, um, there can be uh, coming up topics around um, data protection or maybe they want to use, I don't know, a third party um, API or something. And um, if that comes up, they have to come back just so that we can check um, to make sure um, we fulfill all the um, obligations um, that come from the license or the terms of use and um, that data protection is still in place. But um, uh, when we set up the process, um, we decided that we also have to trust our developers. We have to trust that they know what they do and they will not uh, put uh, yeah, SAP in, in danger or put us at, at risk um, by, by publishing something uh, that would mean a loss of SAP IP that uh, should not be open source or by... Um, um, yeah, uh, not adhering to obligations they have to fulfill. So, um, and up to now that went uh, quite smoothly and um, we, we that trust um, pays off um, because they really appreciate um, how the process runs now. And um, usually they are, um, they see when there is uh, some risk, their there, um, yeah, light goes off and they're like, ah, let's rather ask. So um, yeah. then they, they come back to us and check with us. But I think over like the past 10 years or so, we've rather become less restrictive mm -hmm. than more restrictive because we've adopted the open source idea for all I understand, right? Yeah. Um, and and the, the thing we now mainly talked about is, uh, I think, uh, if I understood it correctly, when, when we're actually open sourcing existing IP, right? And, and then there is also the case of uh, just SAP employees contributing to projects. Do they also like just, I don't know, providing bug fixes to mm -hmm. something that somebody else has open sourced? Is there also a process uh, like we've been talking about for that? We did have a process for this in the past and we checked pretty much the same things we check for SAP projects. But um, uh, we... After a while, um, we saw that that is not um, scaling and it's not the right um, way to do it because the risks were really quite low. And so after a while, um, we went over to now going with guidelines. So when you want to contribute to an existing open source project, um, colleagues do not have to go through the process, but they have to, um, uh, have, yeah, comply with certain guidelines that we have for them. 
And, and where do I find these guidelines? We have a really nice wiki uh, page and there you can find them all. <laughs> okay, that's the uh, the wiki of the OSPO then, right? Exactly, yes. All right, great. And that is then these guidelines, those are valid for contributing within your official work time or yes. also for your mm -hmm. private time or is there guidelines mm -hmm. for like, mm -hmm. do you differentiate that? Yes, we differentiate it. So um, uh, the ones uh, we just talked about are really for working contributions. So you are contributing something um, because of your job. Um, and then we also have spare time uh, contributions and we have guidelines for those. That's, um, uh, I mean, yeah, some colleagues also um, like to develop in their free time, in their spare time. And they are also allowed to do that, to contribute to open source. But there are certain um, yeah, rules they have to follow. Um, so kind of, uh, yeah, it should not be during your working time and um, um, not uh, in an SAP location and uh, different kind of things. So it's really separated um, between if you contribute in your role, you're working for SAP or do if you do it as a private um, person. Right. And I guess it's sort of similar to when you have a job on the side or something that it can't be like the same thing that you're actually doing for SAP. So if you contribute from out of your job, it's like you can contribute con things that are in context of your usual work. And it's if it's your private time, it should be something very different, right? Yes, that's how you can phrase it, yes. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry, I clumsily phrased that. Uh, <laughs> okay. I should have let you phrase that, I guess. Um, but so like, how do you, who assesses cases uh, or how do you work with those where this is kind of like the exactly that does it have to do with my job? Say you, I don't know, you contribute to a Linux distribution and now SAP is packing Kubernetes containers or what or doing whatever things that have to do with Linux. Um, so is this my job or is this something I can do in private? Does that get difficult every once in a while? I guess it can get difficult. Um, I, I, you know, I don't have that technical background, but as far as I know, Linux is quite a big thing. <laughs> so um, I guess there can be contributions for Linux that can be private, but there can also be some that might be um, SAP. But that's really a case-by-case -case, uh, thing where we had to, would then have to look into it. Okay, so like if you're not specifically, say, I don't know, work on a new Linux feature that SAP has requested, um, then this would be considered private, for instance. I can imagine it can, that it could be um, private, yeah. Okay, okay. So we shouldn't worry all too much that the context is like very widely being made. Mm. This has to do with SAP because you both live on the same planet. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little bit of common sense. And um, uh, when you're feeling uh, unsure, people can always reach out um, and then we can check the case. If uh, someone contributes as a private person, still being an SAP employee at the same time, what would be examples of what they're absolutely not allowed to do? So usually that's really quite clear. It should not have to do anything with an SAP product, um, not in the name of SAP, and um, yeah, nothing have nothing to do with what with what you do during your daily work. 
okay, so don't call it SAP something, not the repo, not the class or whatever you're contributing. And don't use very specific knowledge that you have acquired through your job at SAP, for instance, one could say. Yeah, I mean, you can use the knowledge, but not um, uh, for things that you would do during work. <laughs> I was intentionally saying very specific, of course, yeah. you have learned more things about, I don't know, programming in Java mm -hmm. or C++ at SAP, but that's that's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about the SAP specifics that may not yes. flow into that. Okay, cool. But otherwise, as we said before, um, the way to making personal contributions is rather not restrictive and informal, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. You have to um, uh, inform your manager, just let them know. And, um, uh, and then what I said before, not doing work in time, not um, at SAP premises and yeah, pretty much obvious things that are not allowed. <laughs> okay. So, and, and in general, we more encourage this than we try to inhibit this with... Yes. It's absolutely welcome that people um, do that. All yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I sometimes ask about the not okays and so on. So everyone out there, it's totally okay. You're encouraged to do... Totally okay. Feel free to do that in your spare time. As long as it does not uh, get in, in conflict with SAP, you do it uh, with anything you do at work. Um, totally free to do it. <laughs> And also, of course, the these private contributions or individual contributions, they're not your main job. Your main job is actually the SAP decides to and then publishes SAP's intellectual property as open source. Is there any more to say about that process that we have not talked about? I'm, I lose the oversight a little bit. <laughs> so um, I think we said the most important things. Most important thing is really... Um, we have it now um, tool-based. Uh, we worked a lot on that. It's quite automated. We reduced our processing times um, uh, by doing so a lot. Um, we work um, with different, I think I didn't mention that. I, I mentioned we use um, GitHub Enterprise, but I actually didn't say um, how we do it. So what we do is we have an organization and um, when a request comes in, the colleagues, all they have to do is they have to type in the name of their project into a, a template, an issue template, and hit um, send or save. And um, then this um, uh, a repository is being created um, to further process their request. And I've mentioned the request form before. So um, whenever this um, repository is being created, this request form is already in there. So they can right away start with filling that out. And then for every next process step, a new issue is open. So there are five mandatory um, steps in the process. So in the end, we should have at least five um, closed issues um, until the project can then um, be published. You said you reduced the time. Is Can you put any numbers to that? How long did that take before you automated the process? Before the open source program office was um, put in place, it it was just a little splattered all around SAP. So there was not really a, a good process in place and um, the responsibilities were not clear. And yeah, all that things, you know, that happened to, that make a process not work good. So we are talking about months. So it took months to get a, pro uh, a project out. <laughs> 
and that is to get it out or like months to even get it approved that you could start getting it out exactly yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. okay wow <laughs> and now we're down to what couple of hours no <laughs> yeah no hours not but if we really um uh, if the request is really responsive and we get the, the um, answers to all the questions um in a timely manner it can be done within like a week okay but as you said there are still people involved of course we should not forget we also work across different time zones and um you know sometimes i open an issue for example for scanning we always scan our code before we um put it out just to make sure we are compliant with um, any third party that might be a part of that project and um when I opened that issue, uh, my colleague who does the scanning, um, uh, she's um, located in um, uh, Vancouver. So um, uh, it takes <laughs> like at least one day <laughs> to, to fulfill that, you know. So there's ta- some yeah. time uh, differences. So, but if it is possible within like uh, four to five working days, um, we can get started. And then the colleagues have their repository in a private mode. And they can um, start setting it up. And uh, once they are done, it's getting published. Which sounds like quite a difference to a couple of months uh, (laughs) before that. So here's another reason why it's always a good idea to have an open source program office because this all derives from, right? Yes, uh, because we have, uh, I mentioned it before, it's so many different um, roles and people involved. So uh, we have global licensing, we have data protection, we have export control, we have the legal team, we have the scanning team, we have um, the the open source core team. So um, it's many people, many roles uh, involved. And um, yeah, with the open source program office, we have now yeah, it's not some umbrella and uh, getting it all together. And then when we moved over to using the tool, we just um, yeah had transparency for all these colleagues. And that really helped to make it all quicker. Okay, I was just going to say, now you just made it sound complicated again. No, uh, no, it was. <laughs> but, with, uh, uh, but we found a solution um, uh, to, to make it easy. <laughs> because now my single point of access as a developer is the open source program office, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. No matter what question you have, you always end up. Uh, we have um, uh, also uh, some some uh, GitHub organization for questions. And no matter what kind of question in regard of open source, if you end up there, and then we uh, can decide who takes it. Is it legal? Is it uh, um, core team? Is it compliance? Okay. Let's leave it at that. Let's leave it at you. Always contact the open source program office and not make it complicated again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, maybe, maybe that is one of our first key takeaways. Uh, always contact OSPO. Uh, no, not always, but if you have a relevant question, um, do you have any other one, two, three key takeaways that you want everyone to remember from this session? Or if we forgot something very important, remind me now. So actually, you said it. It's really important to bring everyone together, everyone who's involved in the process and um, find the best way to work together. And um, uh, yeah, for us, um, working then uh, tool-based uh, was the best solution. And I mentioned it quickly before. What is also really important is listen to your end users. So in our case, it's our developers. And um, we listened, listened to what are their needs, how is their usual how how does their usual workday look like 
and um, uh, what can we um, take from there to not give them another new tool or another um, uh, yeah something new to to get used to so we really listen to their needs and um, then uh, just go for it and then keep improving it um on the go we i mean we went live um with the process as i said like two two and a half years ago and um we did quite well um at the beginning but when i now look back um like one year ago a lot of things also improved during the last year so don't just stop because the process then uh, works nicely there's always something you can make even better okay thank you for that and Thank you generally, Fabienne, for being our guest today. It was great to have you here. That was before, I hope you noticed, my closing question. The, give us your key takeaways um, or any famous last words. Just have fun with your open source uh, projects and keep on contributing. <laughs> Thank you for that one. And thank you all out there for listening to The Open Source Way. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it and don't miss the next episode in two weeks. Subscribe to us uh, like either on OpenSAP, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and so on. You can get this podcast through all regular podcast channels. Thanks again for being here and uh, talk to you next time. Bye bye. <laughs>